Makers of Sport Podcast, Episode 100, with Jeremy Mitchell. Welcome to We Did It Y'all, episode 100 of the Makers of Sport podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, at T. Adam Martin on Twitter. My guest for this episode is a web designer turned agency creative and family man from Nashville, Tennessee, that is making waves in the sports business via a side project he started that has been featured on sports business media such as ESPN or I'm sorry, that has been featured on media companies such as ESPN, Martha Stewart, Dwell, Country Living, Sports Illustrated, and SB Nation, just to name a few. This consumer business has provided products to professional athletes and celebrities alike, as well as regular folks that just love America's favorite pastime. I'm very happy to welcome Jeremy Mitchell of the Mitchell Bat Company to the podcast. Welcome aboard, Jeremy. Hey, everybody, and uh, Adam, congrats on episode 100. That's yeah, man, I really appreciate it. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy because I, I was at a conference a couple of years ago. It was MLC Connect, which I'm sure you're probably familiar with, and, and I, I, was watch, I was watching one of the talks and going around the room, and I, and I thought, man, there's a lot of people here that I've interviewed, and so I tried <laughs> to get a picture towards the end and to put the people, and there were only like maybe 15 or so in the picture, and even just to see the picture and be like, "Wow, fifteen people!" and then and then write tr- like to put that in like human form, <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's so crazy to think about how many people that I've talked to. But yeah, man, I really appreciate it. It's been fun and uh, it's uh, it's been very rewarding for me and hopefully for for other people. So, uh, but yeah, no, enough about me, man. This one uh, this one's about you and and your side <laughs> project. Um, I do want to remind everybody before getting going that uh, before we get going, uh, I am going to be giving away a a Mitchell bat, and I will announce that at the at the end of this episode. So after the announcements, after the ending of the show, you'll want to stick around until the very end. Um, so Jeremy, you and I, we um, we haven't necessarily known each other, but we connected many years ago um on uh, that we we determined this on a phone call that we had a couple weeks ago where uh sometime around the time i got married which was back in summer 2008 so a little side note yep. to my wife uh, 10 year anniversary was was recently so happy anniversary to her um anyway uh but i was i, I was <laughs> looking at possibly moving to nashville and so uh, you at the time were a web design guy and i think i found your site just sort of googling nashville designers, Nashville freelancers or whatever. And uh, you were the one of the people that I reached out to. So it's, I, I found that it was so crazy that we reconnected 10 years later and it, it was through our side projects that happened to be sports related. Yeah. It's yeah. so must, wild. Uh, it's a must, it's a, it's a must, uh, 
must have been the stars aligned. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so anyway, I know that you've probably listened to a couple episodes, and uh, and you know the the drill a little bit here, where I yeah. like to give guests an opportunity just to tell a little bit about their own story, kind of from a bird's eye view, um, and then we can obviously get into the details as as conversation progresses. But why don't you just give a little bit of insight into your life, how you ended up in the creative business at all, and and just kind of a bird's eye view leading up to Mitchell Bat Company. Yeah. So, man, so the creative, I got into the creative, um, business side of things, um, after college, uh, I went to, I went to college, uh, at Western Kentucky university. I went to school, uh, I got a marketing degree. Um, I, uh, decided to, to go into marketing, uh, sports marketing in particular after watching the movie, Jerry Maguire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when that movie when that movie came out, I was like, "That's what I want to do. I want to do that. I want to be in sports. I want to wear a suit. I want to be at the stadium, and um, that's what I thought I was going to do." And and being from Nashville, it was uh, it was right around the time that the Nashville Predators um, and the the Tennessee Oilers uh, came to town. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used to be the the Oilers before they were the Titans. Right. And um, we had we had the Nashville Cats, and you know, of course, the Nashville Sounds. And so I I thought that. Nashville was going to be the the sports city for me, um, but also uh, like ten thousand other people thought thought the same thing. So it <laughs> yeah. was uh, not really a, not really a great time to try to jump into sports marketing. But um, I actually um, started designing after I, I met my wife. Um, we worked in the, in the same building, and uh, at the time I was a, I was a musician, and uh, I had I needed CD packaging, and, and she was a designer. And uh, so I asked her to design my CD packaging, and um, I was I was the worst client ever because I kept on making uh, <laughs> changes and edits only because I wanted to continue hanging out with her because I cause yeah, I liked yeah. her and right. and uh, so uh, that was kind of like my uh, way to hang out with my future wife. You got very lucky and, she uh, didn't just fire you, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it could have been a whole different yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, I know it could have been. And so um, so yeah, so she she taught me some stuff in Photoshop and. I bought a computer like the next day and, and started learning Photoshop and, and, um, started designing stickers and buttons and posters and all the stuff that a band would need. And, um, yeah. And then that started doing it professionally. That's awesome, man. What's, I didn't, uh, I don't think I knew that you went to Western. That's, uh, that is the rival of my alma mater, Eastern Kentucky <laughs> university. <laughs> Yeah. Which it's not so much anymore, actually. I, I take that back because you guys uh, made the move to um, to FCS, and right. uh, and we, or I'm sorry, FBS, and we we stayed in in FCS, and which was which sucks because I know for many years uh, Eastern had a really really good football program, and people wanted to move, but they there was kind of an old school administration that wanted to stay in in kind of the loyal. OVC, <laughs> but, uh, but no, you guys, uh, you guys have done well. So, um, well, cool, man. So, well, how, how, how did Mitchell Bat Company come about? So, um, let's see, summer of 2013. So it was five years ago. It was five years ago about, about this time. Um, it was around August or so. I was asked to be a part of a group of designers, in Nashville to help rebrand this skateboard company called Salem Town Board Co. Mm-hmm. And uh, these designers wanted me to do the website um, and do some photography and some video. And it was just all, all pro bono. Um, and at Salem Town at the time, they're still around. Um, their whole thing was to train 
and mentor inner city kids. And so I went, I would go down to their shop and, you know, create video and grab photos just to create content for their, their website that I was about to build. And so I got to meet, um, the Anderson brothers, um, Skylar Anderson and Will Anderson and um, Jacob Henley was there at the time too. He was, they were all kind of like uh, co-owners of, of Salem town. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I'll go down there every single week and, and uh, meet these uh, young men and women who were, uh, you know, inner city kids who needed mentors and help. And um, they were also creating these like amazing, like handmade skateboards. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a creator too, but all the things that I create are on screen whether it's a, a video or a photo or a website or a print ad, you know, but nothing really that I can hold or touch. And so the project ended, uh, you know, we launched their new brand, their new website. And, uh, I, I had this sort of itch to create something that was made out of wood. Um, and me being a huge baseball fan, I thought, wow, what if I made, what if I made baseball bats and, and painted them up with, with stripes that are, you know, that are, you know, widely known and widely seen on, you know, baseball uniforms and mm-hmm. socks and jackets and all these things that, you know, that I've loved from the past. And so I started just drawing these baseball bats, uh, just on, on paper, just one after the other. And I would take pictures of them and, and post them to Instagram. And, I, and I'm not really the kind of like person to like, just like broadcast, like, Hey, I'm just, here's a picture that I drew. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but for some reason, those bats, I, I wanted to share it with the world. And, and I had, really no no strings attached i just wanted to show these bats on my instagram feed this is what i was doing that day and i started noticing that i was getting more and more likes on these on these bat photos so was this under your personal account at that time yeah or? so this is okay. under my, my personal account so i mitchell batco wasn't even wasn't even a thing like it wasn't even a vision even it was just the bats came first and the stripes and, and it was just black and white pictures um, that I would draw just like with a, with a pen. And so, um, I started getting like emails from strangers, like asking about these baseball bats and they, they didn't even look real. And so I started, uh, you know, getting more and more like excited about actually trying to make these things actually real bats. And, uh, so that's when I started taking them into Photoshop and making them look like real bats. And then I would post those out to Instagram and post those out to Pinterest. And I started getting likes and started getting comments and emails. And, um, it was around the, it was around October ish that I started, you know, really thinking about like, how could I, how could I do this? How, how could I like make this a real thing? Well, that's cool, man. Because, uh, so initially you literally had no, no physical products. You're just posting, essentially mock-ups. Well, I guess sketches at first and then just Photoshop mock-ups of a product, which eventually turned into a product. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just, it was just prototypes and, and sketches and just, uh, just a bunch of different design patterns. Like I just, I would just go and just rapid fire, um, design like 10 bats and then post those 10 and I'd put, I'd design 10 more, you know, maybe the handle looks a little different or maybe the barrel looks a little different, but, but yeah, I had no, I had no physical product in, in my possession. Um, before I launched. Right. So why don't you take us through just that next step? I mean, how, how did you turn this into an actual physical product? I mean, this is the, one of the things that I see that's so common. Um, well, I don't even want to say that it's common, but it's, it's, uh, in certain niche, uh, a, a certain niche <laughs> of designer wants to create physical products. Right. And yeah. we see that a lot. And, and it seems like honestly that we see that a lot in 
in baseball. I don't know. I mean, what is it even about baseball that makes that a particular thing? Because you know, you have like the Leatherhead Sports Company, and uh, well, that's which they obviously make more than baseball. But you know, you tend to see these. For some reason, baseball is the one sport that I see studying design in sport that tends to gravitate towards the physical product and kind of this this ephemera type type business. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that baseball is such an artistic sport, um, even with just like the the way the game is played. Um, you know, the way that they used to dress on the field. Um, you know, their uniforms uh, were you know, a sign of the, a sign of the era that they were in and the hats and all the patches and the, you know, even the ticket stubs that were designed back then were very ornate. And I think it's just, um, it's a gentleman sport, you know? And so I think that it's just baseball just attracts the artistic side of folks. Yeah. When, and then you have people like Todd Radom who sort of document the, the visual history of baseball, uh, through articles or even uh, recently a book that he wrote. So that's shout out to you, to my buddy Todd for his, yeah. for his book. Yeah, I, got to, <laughs> I met Todd, um, at the, um, at the futures game during all-star week, uh, in DC just a few months ago. That's really cool. He's such, such a fun guy. And, uh, he's such a, he's such a, has such a neat, um, vibe about him. And, uh, I love his story. And he actually just recently just sent me this uh, amazing, like Cincinnati, um, screen printed poster that I'll probably frame uh, and hang up. So yeah, Todd Radom's a good dude. I have his book, The Winning Ugly. Book. That's awesome, amazing. Man. Yeah. Now, have you been to uh, what? What? Uh, who's your team? I follow the Cubs. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, have you? I kind of like all. I kind of like all the teams, but uh, yeah, I follow. I follow the Cubs mostly. So, so since you are, I guess, somewhat in the vicinity, have you been up to the? Uh, opening day festivities in Cincinnati. And I think they're oh, yeah. like an art gallery by one of the design firms up there. That's baseball. Themed. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's a building, mm-hmm. uh, BLDG refuge on Instagram. Yeah. They have a, they have a one nine nine C event. That's what it's called. Cause it's the Pantone for mm-hmm. the reds. Yeah. And, uh, that's an amazing party. Like they, like the Cincinnati does opening day. Right. I mean, those people are like truly true baseball fans that are pumped about, the season started starting and I've, I've, you know, I've heard of Fenway, you know, Boston fans, you know, having the same sort of love for the, for the opening day. Um, but yeah, Cincinnati is the place to be for opening day. I, uh, I had a chance to go with Todd and Bill Frederick from fan brands to the all-star festivities when it was in Cincinnati. And I've got to mm. say, man, I mean, I, that was the only all-star game I've ever been to. So I don't have yeah, much to, com- there. to compare it to, but man, it was incredible. The whole city was just, just on fire for for the game and and even just the way that the application of the branding was applied on the buildings with oh, the mustaches yeah. and I mean uh-huh. it was just it was nuts. Yeah, every building had a wrap around it and those, right. all those mustaches everywhere. Yeah, that was a I, compare. I've only, I've been to two All Star weeks and Cincinnati was by far the best the best one. Um, the like the just the vibe of the whole city and next year it's in Cleveland so I'll be I'll be there for that yeah um, and so I'm excited to get back to All Star Week that's awesome man so kind of going back to this Salem Town board company um, one thing that stuck out to me when you were mentioning uh, working for them was that they they mentor like inner city youth and so there's there's kind of a social it's it's kind of a design product and then also like a social mission and and with your own company you have decided to um donate a portion of your proceeds to organizations that help 
kind of expand and and, and grow baseball in inner city. So talk about yeah. that decision a little bit. Like what's the uh, what made you decide to make that decision when it came to building a business? So when when I when I decided that okay I'm gonna make this a thing I'm I'm gonna launch this brand or this company, mm-hmm. um, I wanted I wanted two things to be true. I wanted number one I wanted to hand paint stripes on baseball bats like that was the core of the whole thing. And number two I wanted to give money to charity, um, and I wanted to uh, not only just any charity I wanted to focus on a charity that helps um, helps kids that need mentors that don't have father figures or don't have moms. Um, and I wanted to do that through the game of baseball. Um, and I, I never would have imagined, um, how fast it would, it, how fast it caught on when, when we launched it. Um, I told my wife, so before I launched it, I told my wife, I said, I have this idea. And usually, usually when I say that, it's like, here, here we go again, because Jeremy has, uh, you know, I, an idea per day, right. um, some sometimes. <laughs> and so, this one, this one, Mitchell Bat Company was kind of my last idea for now, um, but we'll get into more of those later. But so I told I told Kathy, I said, uh, I said, I want to start a baseball bat company um, and the bats are going to look like this. And I want to give a portion of the of the of the money to uh, to a charity. And the way that we're set up is we um, all the bats are made to order. So there there is no. Um, there is no inventory of painted bats. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you order a bat, we paint that bat for you and it ships straight to you. It's, it was made just for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is a really kind of a neat part of, um, of what we do. Um, because it's, it, it's all custom, it's all handmade. It's all, it's all done like in real time. And, and, um, that's been a really fun thing. And so, so yeah, so I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to give back, um, to those little kids and through the, through the sport of baseball, which gave me, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up with a father figure and, and baseball, uh, always gave me a chance to hang out with like other, like older, you know, dad age men. Uh, and I got to see them like interact with their kid and, and they interacted with me. And so it was like, that was my dad for two hours or, you know, that was my dad right. for 15 minutes. And so as, as a kid, I was, I was filling the void. And I didn't, I didn't really even know that I was doing that until much later as an adult. I, I, I would look back at, at baseball and go, oh, that's why I liked it so much because it was like, it was like my time to be um, filled back up. That's awesome, man. And I, and I was a pitcher and it was like the only time that I was like, I was in control of the situation, you know? So do you, do you get a chance to sort of, uh, other than donating the proceeds, do you get a chance to physically be involved in, in anything like that? Like coaching or anything like that? Yeah, coaching. Um, you know, just just being around the game as far as like the kids, uh, you know, the kids element is concerned. I'm I'm super passionate about youth sports. I've got yeah um, six and eight year old boys, and I we, I just had a daughter who I'm hoping will also be involved in youth sports. <laughs> we still have a while, yeah. but <laughs> I don't I don't get to uh, I don't get to right now. Um, we have I have a seven, a five, and and two year old, so my my hands are full. Yeah. Um, with with them. Uh, but they're in they're in sports, they're in soccer, and we talk about baseball all the time, of course, and um, maybe someday. Right, right. But the charity that we're the charity we're we're donating to now is Don Mattingly's charity, um, in in Evansville, Indiana, where he's from and where he lives in the off season. Mm-hmm. Um, he runs he runs Mattingly Charities, which helps um, inner city baseball, underprivileged, underserved uh, children in need, and so we've gotten to. 
um, hang out with Don in, you know, the dugout at the at great American ballpark. He invited us down there and it was just, I'm just like, can't believe I'm like talking to my hero. Yeah. Um, and him being somewhat of a Nashville guy too. Like he played for the Nashville sounds as a kid. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. He played for the Nashville sounds when I was a kid. Um, and I was, always thought that was really cool. And so he's my favorite player and to like, to be a part of his, his organization and to be able to, um, hang out with Don when I can, uh, at his events or at, at a game, like prior to the game, like that's just like a dream come true. I mean, like who, what could you ask more for, you know? So do you switch those charities up? Uh, cause how do you determine, I mean, how do you even set that up in the first place? Because I, I'm, I'm really interested in this because I think this is a great thing to do for people that are starting side projects. I, I just feel like that this yeah. socially conscious mission is a good thing. So are you reaching out to the employees of the, of the um, organization or cause obviously it's probably going to be hard to just hit up him. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, basically when you, when you start giving cash to a charity uh, month after month after month, they're, they're typically going to, going to reach out to you. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Okay. So you're just cutting them checks through the, through like the normal means. And then they're like, Hey, yeah, who, who like is this guy? Their website. Yeah, yeah. Like through their website, just like any organization has has a donate button on their website and you just i just said it's just all set up automatically like through like paypal well see that that right there makes it so much easier i, I was thinking it was going to be so much more complicated like you have to s- nope. somehow get a relationship with the people but it but that right there is like anybody could do this then with yeah, with their work just, and 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 honestly if you're it's one of those things where the only the only reason, even in the beginning, why you would try to set something up with the person is because you're almost wanting to inflate your own ego. It seems like, right? You're it's just give the money or give whatever the product is or whatever you're you're giving, and then maybe you know, and maybe not, but maybe it right. works out like how yours did, where a, somehow a relationship is struck up from the instance. Yeah, that's cool. So. Yeah. Um, let me ask you about this though. So Mitchell Bat Company, right? It's obviously named after you. What what made you decide to kind of go with the the family last name as opposed to maybe like a historical? I mean, we obviously have like Ebbets Field flannels and or like the agency Doubleday and Cartwright. What made you decide yeah. to go to kind of build a brand off of your own name as opposed to something else? So uh, when I when I had my band, mm-hmm. it was called the Jeremy Mitchell Band. Yeah. Um, I guess I just like my last name. And so, um, <laughs> Nothing wrong had, with that. So my wife actually named it um, when we were talking about when we were talking about you know making this a company, and I'm like, well, what should I call it? I don't. I'm. I'm. I need a logo. I don't know what. I don't even have any ideas right now. And um, so I had. So Matt Lehman designed our logo. Um, Matt Lehman is like uh, a friend of mine, and he's just super talented. Everything he does is is amazing. So couple years prior to that he designed he designed my personal logo so it was just my name jeremy mitchell mm-hmm. and i wanted it to be kind of like a baseball themed um script you know handwritten um you know very very baseball-y and so uh kathy my wife she goes why don't you just take off the jeremy part of jeremy mitchell and just call it mitchell bat company and i was like okay good idea let's do that right <laughs> and so she took the vector file got rid of the Jeremy and then changed part of the M and, and there Mitchell was born. Mitchell Batco was born. Nice. Um, just, just in like, really, it's like, that's what we had at the time. Yeah. Um, and looking back, you know, I, I'm, 
I'm glad that we named it that because it's it is it is my name. It's my heritage. It's my uh, it's my legacy. And right. so, it's, what what better way to um, commemorate that, but with but with a baseball company? Yeah, exactly. And now yeah. now is obviously with it being. Uh, f- a family name and your wife being a graphic designer is, is it a family business? Does she get involved on, on some of the creative aspect of things still or? Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about it. We talk about Mitchell bat at home, probably way too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I uh, we, we talk, we talk about it a lot and she helps me out. She, she does a lot of the print stuff, um, you know, mailers and, and things like that. And, and she gives just uh, a thousand percent, um, moral support and uh, helps me wrap my head around um, all things Mitchell Batco. Awesome. Well, one thing that I've noticed about uh, your company is you. There's definitely a conscious effort put into building a brand, not just you know posting these images, but you know you're doing content marketing videos, uh, collaborations. Uh, so I'm curious if that. Uh, obviously I, I mentioned that being conscious, but is that something that sort of maybe you're able to take from possibly your, your day to day experience at that you're learning maybe at, at an agency or uh, anything from your past that you're able to apply to this uh, or, or are you just kind of flying as you go trying to figure it out? Yeah. The, I mean, the agency experience definitely comes into play because, you know, for the last 15 years I've sat across the table from, from clients trying to figure out their brand, um, trying to help them figure out if they need a video or if they need a, uh, you know, type treatment animation. And so a lot of the background that I have is, is video and print and web and iOS applications and SEO and, and, you know, social media, Instagram, Facebook, all the, all the paid media. And so, so yeah, I would say that, you know, I, one time I was joking with my wife. I said, "I said we're the only startup that has two full-time uh, creative uh, creative directors in-house, right? Uh, you know, because it's us, right? And so I, I'm I'm so thankful that that we have that we have the the ability to brand ourselves um, because there's a lot of there's a lot of money that would have been spent. Um, like if I were to package up the last five years of of how much I would have had to pay. Um, an agency or a creative, you know, creative director to, to do what I've done and my wife has done for us. I mean, it would, it would be hundreds of thousands of dollars, I'm sure. Right. And see that, that right there is, is the one thing that I always try to push toward to my own listeners. And, and I think that this is, it's starting to becoming a lot more common with designers or just creative uh, people in general starting companies that have maybe have one aspect of creative, whether you're a, a designer or, or a copywriter or um, you know maybe you do video production, where people are actually taking those talents now and instead of using them for other people, they're building their own brands and saying, hey man, right. like we can actually do this our own and we have our own in-house sort of agency. And you look at even, uh, I, I want to say, there's a book that I read, um, let me look back here on my bookshelf real quick. So it's called, and I'll post a link in the show notes, but it's called Kern and Burn Conversations with Design Entrepreneurs. And um, this okay. uh, this book actually has a whole lot of projects or or companies that were founded by designers. And it really discusses that, that kind of aspect of why don't we actually do this 
for ourselves, right? As yeah. opposed to like, hey, we have to wait until some client hires us and and let's, right. let's do this thing where you're able to actually take two passions that you have, one being a passion and a skill, right? And then just right. combine those things together. And that was really kind of the thinking behind this podcast for me too is, is I was always, I, I love sports, I love design, and, and I knew how to talk about design or creativity just having been in the business for so long. And so I was like, why not combine these things together and create something that doesn't exist that hopefully either helps other people or, or even just, even if it doesn't, man, I mean, honestly, even if nobody listens to the show, at least for me personally, like I would probably still do this just because I enjoy these conversations sitting across, you know, theoretically across the table from another creative, um, right. And discussing their, their challenges, their struggles, their, um, sort of blessings that they get out of doing creative work. And, and that's, and I think that's why I love side projects so much. And I, I, that's why I always try to push people to do them. Right. Like we just, uh, we just did a collaboration with, with Louisville Slugger mm-hmm. and throughout that whole process, I didn't, I didn't really ask a lot of questions of like, can I post this on social media? Like when, when can I post this on social media? I was just like, they, they would say, we need, we need this and that. And I would say, you got it. I'll, I'll do that. And then, um, towards the end of that, towards the end of the, the project, you know, they had sent us, you know, a hundred bats to paint or uh, something like that. And so they, um, I was like, well, do you mean to take, you mean to take pictures of this? And they're like, yeah, take as many pictures, like document the whole process. And, um, and so I took, I took that as I'm going to create a video because this, this is so video worthy. And, and so again, I, I, I called my wife and I was like, Hey, what if we did a video? Um, who should we get to do this? And her nephew, her sister's son, um, just graduated from high school and he decided to, he's a filmmaker. And so he, instead of, instead of going to college, um, and this was, this was kind of like, I, I had, I had kind of told him I wouldn't go to college if I were you, I would just get, I would just get projects. Like right. you don't, you're really good. <laughs> you're really good at, at what you do. Yeah. Um, you know how to use the, a camera, you know what different lenses do, you know how to edit. Um, I've seen your stuff. It's really good. I wouldn't go to college. And so that was a month prior. And so now, you know, fast forward, little slugger wants this video and I was like, uh, we should get Benjamin. He, he, he lives in Nashville. I mean, sorry, he lives in Nebraska. We should fly him down to Nashville, uh, on a weekend and we'll shoot this video. And, you know, I'm, I, I say stuff and I'm like, that'll probably, that probably won't happen. He's probably busy. And you know, he, he's 17. Like he, uh, it probably won't happen. Mm-hmm. Literally by, by the time, like it was like three hours later, like, his mom agreed to, he, she said yes to this. He, he wanted to do it. And now he's flying down here. And it, it was like three hours after I hung up with Louisville Slugger after they, after they gave me permission to like video this or no, I'm sorry, photograph. I didn't even tell him I was doing a video. I was going to surprise him. And so, um, he's flying down here on like, on like Sunday and here it is like Friday, Friday night. And I'm like, okay, I, I need to like, I need to create a storyboard. I need to, um, I need to write a treatment and I knew how to do all those things because of my, because of my uh, agency experience and my mm-hmm. day job. 
And so now, when you say write a treatment, can you clarify what is that? What exactly does that mean? So, right, a, a treatment is just in words. What what will the viewer see on screen? Okay. And so, for yeah, I'm instance, not privy. Like, I'm not privy to the <laughs> advertising agency world. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so a treatment. So, like, let's talk about Back to the Future One. Okay, the the opening scene. Um, so, if I was writing a treatment, I would say. Um, camera will pan across a room full of clocks. All the clocks will be ticking. Oh, okay. There'll be clocks. Okay. There'll be big clocks, small clocks. And so you just kind of in words say what, what you're doing. And then you combine that with like a storyboard? With a storyboard. And okay. then I had, and I had, and then I created a shot list. See, this is a good learning experience for me because I really do. I want to, I want to eventually incorporate video into what I do. Yeah. And so when he got here, you know, he, he has the he has the camera knowledge and he he knows how to run a camera, um, and he probably know he could probably he probably could have done the video fantastic um, without me interjecting you know those things. But we shot it. It was basically like a one take kind of thing. We came home. We had the footage. We had all, we had everything on our shot list in the order that we had agreed to before we even hit record on the camera. Um, we we knew the pacing. We knew we knew what kind of music we wanted to choose, and we had a we had an edited video like by the end of the weekend. Wow! And so that video is on my is on MitchellBatco dot com slash slugger, and so is um, he the same one that shot the Mitchell Batco story? No, that's Tom Okerson. Okay, um, he's also amazing. So check him out too. Um, so I I sent the video to Louisville Slugger, and and I I did it in a way. I like had a phone call scheduled and I posted it to a, a Vimeo link with a, with a password. And I said, um, they're on the phone call. And it was just kind of like a, it was kind of a one more phone call before the project really got going. Um, if we had any more questions and I said, uh, Hey, check your email, uh, go to this link, click this link, tell me when you're ready and hit, type this password. And like, I could hear them typing and then like I could hear the video starting and there was just silence and I was, cause they didn't give me permission to do this. And, and it was very much like, if you've ever worked for, if you've ever done a project for a company like Louisville Slugger or, or a big company, it's all like, you have to sign, you know, non-disclosure agreements and you have to sign all these things and say, you're not going to post or tell anyone. And, right. and so here I am sending them this video and it, it could have gone, it could have gone one of two ways. They could have said like, you can't, we can't use this. Um, but they were ecstatic. They were so excited. They're like, "Holy cow, you did this!" And I was like, "Yeah, we did it like uh, a couple days ago. Is this is this cool?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna we're totally gonna use this on social media. We're gonna post this when when we launched when we announced this collaboration with Mitchell Batco. We're gonna use this video, and that, that's exactly what I wanted. And because uh, good old Uncle Jeremy said, "Don't go to college, Ben." Uh, now he has this in his portfolio. Uh, to go get more clients and so and i'm glad it worked out i'm glad he didn't go to college uh and i'm glad that he's doing doing really well uh with his uh benmohorn.com with his website and his, all his portfolio that's awesome man i'll drop him a link in the show notes i actually yeah. you, you'll you'll probably um it's it's funny the don't go to college thing I actually agree with you on that, and and it, this can be very very divisive among my own own community. <laughs> um, I think if you're going to go a pursue some type of a creative career, that it's probably cra- and 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 if you have to uh, definitely if you have to take out student loans, it's probably crazy to go to college yeah. nowadays. I agree. It's just I mean, so 20, bloated. In 2018, 2019, and beyond, like 
everything, I mean, I've, everything that I've learned as a creative and as a designer, I've taught myself from Google and YouTube. Well, um, and the sports design industry is very much like a self-taught industry. There's, there's a, this is what kind of, I, so I have a degree in graphic design and this is what kind of bothers me about the design profession in general is they, they very much look down on sports design in the sports industry. And you'll see these designers that do, you know, generalist design, like, oh, they did work for some magazine or whatever, and they just trash everything in the sports industry. I could do better. I could do better, this and that. And and these sports designers see that, right? And so it's funny. You see all these designers, and they're trashing it, and they're like, I could do better. And then they hope that they'll eventually get one of those projects. And it's like, you will never touch anything you know, for a team right. because they've all seen what you said. Right. And, and a lot right. of, and a lot of people don't understand that. It's like, there are so many bureaucracies involved, right? Like when it comes to rebranding a team, even something as small as like a division three college, you're going to have alumni, you're going to have uh, like a board of regents, you're going to have like the athletic department and, and then the students. And there's just so many varying levels and you have to sort of the, like 75% of the battle is just, literally fighting the battle, you know, like trying to, trying to navigate through all those things just to get something that's competent. And then you just hope and pray that whatever you end up with at the end is something that you're going to at least be able to show in your portfolio. Yeah. But, um, but no, what I was getting at was that, that for some reason, it seems like generalist design doesn't look or always looks down on sports design. And it's always frustrating mm. to us sports designers for some reason, because there's a lot of really good stuff out there. Um, especially if you just look at, even just these products, like I mean, the stuff that you're doing, obviously, um, and there's there's things for um, like the uh, Sammy um, Silverman up at Ohio State. I had him on recently. Like the stuff he's doing right now is freaking awesome. I mean, it's like very typography driven. It looks so different than what most uh, sports design looks like. Now you do get granted, you do get a lot of people that are self taught, like. Uh, maybe sports information directors that are just trying to like um, blow everybody out of the water with Photoshop with really no like mm -hmm. idea. <laughs> and, and um, but that's what I was kind of getting at was that this whole self-taught mentality, which, so I think that it is, it is something that can be done, but you also have to be wary of the people that are just going to push like, Oh, you don't have a degree. I totally look down on you. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and, and honestly, even like if I look at my own situation with my own kids, um, with my my oldest sons or my oldest sons my literally my two sons um <laughs> it's it's funny i'm still in a zone where i'll say I'll, I'll still call my youngest son my youngest like if i'm talking to somebody i'm like oh i have to go pick up my youngest and i'm like oh wait i actually have one younger than that now that i cannot <laughs> cannot forget about um but um but with what they do, right? Like they're so they're they're very interested in in creativity and i try to facilitate that with them and push um like little iPad apps or little studio sort of things. And I just bought them an iMac recently so they can kind of dabble in Photoshop um, or even just like drawing out Minecraft characters with nice. with pixels or whatever. Um, but, you know, the more that I look at them and the more I think, man, I would rather just take like maybe, I don't know, $5,000 or something, you know, five to $10,000 and just like send you to New York for a couple months to, uh, apprentice under some right. contact that I have or something, right? I mean, think how many design conferences you could go to in four years. Oh, it's crazy. With with the money that you spend in tuition and room and board, and uh, and you're probably going to learn more. 
and you're going to meet more people in, in your industry. Well, yeah, and I think you did that. I think hands down, um, and I, I, this has been a common thread on on this pod on the podcast these 100 episodes is that it's it's always all about your relationships. I mean, if you're you could be the best designer in the world, but if you're just a jerk to work with, I mean, chances are there's you're gonna you're gonna struggle. Right. Right. And and you could be you could be a total like mediocre designer. Right. I mean, you could be com- a comp as long as you're competent. Right. So you could be a competent designer. That's that's maybe not winning awards, but you're competent. Right. It's not bad work, but you have you, you're just you're fun to be around, or you're just a very yeah. um, positive person. Uh, you know. I mean, it, go- it goes back to the uh, hungry, humble, smart. Yep. The uh, Pat Lincioni, uh ideal team player. If, Absolutely. If you're hungry. And you're humble and you're smart, you're going to go uh, really far away. But if you're only two out of the three, or one out of the three, or zero out of the three, you're not going to get very far. Yep, I agree 100. percent And I mean, I know we're kind of off the rails here on this college thing, but I think this actually <laughs> Don't go does. To college. <laughs> this does. Yeah, if you if you if you're thinking about going to college, you should definitely listen to the episode with Chris Doe from the future because he is like totally anti-college oh, um but 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 at the same time he's starting an educational platform so it, it, he's 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 pushing his own thing too but since since we're on this topic um t- discussing relationships um ha- how have how has a side project maybe led to relationships or opportunities for you you obviously mentioned the the mattingly thing earlier being in the dugout how has it led to to things for you that you wouldn't have otherwise been able to pursue if, if you didn't start this thing? Oh man. I mean, where do I begin? Like it's, it's a hundred percent about relationships like that. And that's, that's the most, probably the most important part of Mitchell bat is, is the people that I've met along the way, uh, and who I consider true friends and trusted advisors. Like, um, any, you know, it starts with like Paul Cunningham from Leatherhead sports, um, John Cantino, uh, Lisa Cooper from Ebbets, the the co-founder of Ebbets. Um, you know, I, those three people were kind of the first that sort of like reached out um, at the beginning, like right after we launched and we started getting like traction and, and I, I started, I was posted and featured in all these different men's blogs and stuff. And all three of them reached out like individually. And I was, and I had them, it was funny. I had a, had a long list of people that I was going to reach out to and, and introduce myself and tell them about Mitchell Bat Company after that first crazy Christmas we had, um, and they reached out first and, and I consider those three, like my trusted advisors, my soundboard, uh, you know, for ideas. And, uh, if I, if I ever have anything that I have a question about, um, I know that one of the three or all the three are going to have an answer. Um, but probably the, the, the story that I think stands out the most is, um, in 2015, okay, so we had just talked about the All-Star Game being mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. Um, so in, in 20, 2015, around February or so, um, there was uh, there used to be a blog called OMG Reds. And there, there, there's an Instagram to, of the same name, OMG Reds. Mm-hmm. And that account posted uh, a picture of the 2015 All-Star Ball, and it was a Bud Selig Ball. And what's interesting about that is Bud Selig uh, stopped being the commissioner at the, the last game in 2014, but this ball was made to commemorate 
it was it was kind of a rare ball is is what I'm getting at. Right. And so I posted I posted a comment on that on that picture and I said, Oh wow, that's a cool ball. Bud Selig isn't the commissioner in twenty fifteen, it's Rob Manfred. It's interesting. I just made a comment. Mm-hmm. And then this random guy um, posted or re- replied to that and said, Are you going to the to the All Star game? I responded and said, I would go if I had tickets. Seconds later, I get an email from that guy and he said, Hey, I have your I have your all star ticket. Wow. And I'm like, What? I don't even know you. What what's going on? So that guy, fast forward, Matt King, as his name, Matthew Scott King on Instagram, who now works for me, who works at Mitchell Bat Company. Um, he just had his fourth kid and I'm the godfather of his fourth kid. Wow. So he was just a fan of the of that that uh Instagram account? He was a fan of that Instagram account and he was a fan of Mitchell Bat. Wow. That and is so that's incredible. And so that got me up to Cincinnati. And so I told my wife, you know, I was like, hey, um, so there's going to be a random Tuesday night coming up in July. Uh, I'm going to be in Cincinnati for the All-Star Game, and I've never been. And um, I'm super pumped about this, and I have no idea who this guy is. Um, but he, he's given me his all-star ticket. I'm going to sit with him. (laughs) And so, and so I thought it was going to be, you know, and, and, uh, I tell my wife all the time, this is a once in a lifetime. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And, uh, and so like, there's a lot, there's been a a lot of once in a lifetime opportunities that, that I've cashed in on, um, throughout this, the last five years. Um, and so, uh, so that got me to Cincinnati and I was just, I was just going to go up for the all-star game and come back down the next day and, you know, 24 hours and I'll be back home. Um, but then, um, since you were there in Cincinnati, they did it upright. I mean, there, there right. were baseball parties happening on every block. And, um, so there was another, um, Instagram account called article menswear. Uh, it was just a men's store and they, they wanted to do a pop-up shop with, with, uh, with Mitchell bat and Philson and, um, Durham, you know, um, Austin, Oh yeah, yeah. I've uh, seen his stuff. Brand. Yeah, Northern Kentucky guy. Yeah, and so uh, we had this, and there's gonna be like some uh, like Braxton uh, Brewing Company was gonna be there. So it was just like gonna be this like baseball party, and uh, that that was gonna be Friday night. And so so now I'm in Cincinnati Friday night, and the game is Tuesday. So I got to figure out what I'm gonna do in between Friday and Tuesday. And so there, in the meantime, there's a thing called City Flea that ha- that was happening, and it was gonna be a, a special edition All Star city flea and they invited me to come up and, and have a tent and sell my sell my goods so now i have something going on friday saturday monday is it was the home run derby i bought tickets to that and bought tickets to the futures game and so it was just like had i not had i not commented on that instagram post none of that would have ever happened and dan, dan mahan of uh up in cincinnati he works for um an ad agency up there and uh He's he's been a super great friend of mine, Doster, um, on Instagram, D O S T R. Um, he's a sports photographer for USA Today. Like I'm, I've met him, you know, we text and hang out when I when I can. Um, Johnny Bench's son, Bobby Bench, uh, is is a friend of ours, and, and it's funny because like all these guys that I've I've met kind of individually, um, they all know each other somehow, and so it's just like this Cincinnati Reds baseball like 
connection circle that that I'm kind of in. Like when I go back to Cincinnati for a game or go up there for opening day, it, it kind of feels like a homecoming. Wow, man. Um, and and that's just been that's been super special and dear to my heart just to just to get to know those guys and um, just to go up there and feel like I'm a part of something, you know. And um, that's uh, you know Jay Becker of of BLDG. Um, you know, inviting us up to, to be a part of their art gallery, uh, up in Cincinnati. So those, so I don't, I don't know the, I don't know the BLDG folks, but I've, I've seen, I've obviously seen the 199C. Um, and then they actually did the, um, they didn't do, so Pentagram did the brand branding for the Lexington convention visitors bureau and BLDG like did a sort of a, uh, it was, I mean, f- you know, for lack of a better word, pentagram, it was very uh, stodgy. <laughs> uh-huh. And and BLDG came and did sort of like a rehash, like a couple, like maybe a year or two later, where they took some of the same elements and made it like cooler <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> for, for most nice. people. But that's how I've heard of them. But man, I'd love to try to, uh, um, even because the, the 199C thing, man, to me is, is the, um, it is, it is literally what Makers of Sport is about. Right, it is yeah. about people creating things in the world of sport. So, man, like maybe we can connect on uh, on going up there next year for for that for thing, sure. and and possibly yeah, even they, doing like a live show or something. I don't know. Like it just there's a ton of ideas that could be done for something like that. So, I think with this this story about you meeting all of these people, one common thread that I've also found with doing the show and talking to so many people is that it seems like for a lot of people, these crazy opportunities come not from doing like either client work or whatever. It's typically from some side project. Oh yeah, for sure. Does that, I mean, does that seem, cause, cause I know even for me with makers of sport, I mean, just the things I've been able to do, I, you know, I could call up and this is when my kids get older and want to do this, but you know, I could call up a lot of in-house creatives at just about any organization in, in for the most part in the country that I would want to go see and say, Hey man, can I get a tour? Like, um, um, and this is that that would have never happened if I didn't start a side project, right? Yeah. And I, and I have so many other colleagues that are the same way. I was just in San Diego, um, and I've I've been to, I've been to Petco Field now three times, um, but I've only been to one game. But I've become friends with the the creative director, um, his name's Brendan Nito, um, and uh, he gave me a tour of the um, the press box, like before the game. How right. cool is that? Yeah. Like it's, we were just like meeting up there, eating some barbecue and we we're walking back and he's like, do you want to see the press box? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah and he yeah. like scanned his badge and a door opened and we walked in and we just walked into the press box and it's like no big deal. Right. And like, that's the thing that like, you know, I, I, I catch myself when, when that happens and I'm in the moment, I'm like, I'm, I'm looking out onto thousands of people, tens of thousands of people in a stadium. And I'm like, I'm the only one, doing this right now out of all these people <laughs> yeah. I'm, the, I'm the only one yeah. doing this i'm friends with the uh, creative director um for the braves in sung yeah you know, he's Insung, awesome Insung. yeah he's a very talented guy he got his batting practice passes for a nationals game uh this past summer and uh i brought my stepdad and my buddy aaron and uh we we're you know you have to go and you have to wait in line and you gotta get there early and you gotta meet at the gate the certain gate and uh, he texts me like it was it was one o'clock right on the dot and that's when we were supposed to go in to watch batting practice and he texted me he said um hey bad news they canceled batting practice the braves aren't going to hit and only a few of the nationals are going to hit sorry about that 
And I was in my mind, I was like, crap, man, I, I brought my stepdad and I brought my friend Aaron and mm -hmm. I was talking it up and I was, you know, going to host this amazing, um, experience for them too. I've, you know, I've done batting practice a handful of times and, mm -hmm. and for them, it was going to be the first time. And so I responded, no worries. Um, and then I responded back and I said, any, any chance we can still go on the field, <laughs> you know, like yes. not taking no for an answer. Uh, and he said, let me see what I can do. And so, um, minutes later he texts back, he goes, okay, at two o'clock, you're going to meet this girl. She's going to come. She knows who you are. She knows that I, I said that your guys are good and she's going to take you down to the field. Um, but just for a little while. And so I'm like, all right, I'll take that. That's, that's better than, better than nothing. And it was the coolest batting practice experience, uh, that I think I've ever gotten to experience because there was, nobody was around. It was just, it was just me, uh, our handler, um, my stepdad and my buddy Aaron watching like Matt Adams was hitting, um, and a couple of other nationals were hitting. We all got a ball and we were just down there on the field and I looked up at the, at the stadium and it's full of people. And again, I'm, I'm like, man, nobody else is getting to do this, but me. And it's all because I took a, I took a leap of faith and launched a launched this bat company that I know I didn't even have the bats when I launched the thing. <laughs> right. Um, and, and here I am standing on the grounds of the Atlanta Braves during batting practice. Like, yeah, how cool it's, is that? it's nuts, man. And I think this is where too many people put too much focus on, on financial things, you know, and they'll, and oh, they'll yeah. think, Oh, I got this side project. It's not, or do you make any money with that? And it's like, no man, it's about the experiences that I've, those are, those are things that you can't put a value on, you know? I mean, it, right. it's, it's crazy. And even then there's probably those sort of, uh, connection through a connection thing where maybe you did get a freelance job or, or you did a project that, that right. you can't tie directly to, but it's like there was a network of events that happened that led to that particular thing. Absolutely. So speaking of that, um, there's, I, I read this book a couple years ago. Um, it's actually, I don't know if you're familiar with this guy or not. His name's Blair Enns. He does a whole lot of uh, consulting and sort of business talk strategy work or whatever on, for like agencies. But there's a book called Win Without Pitching. And essentially, win without pitching um, advocates that creative businesses uh, choose a a niche and basically double down. So, and and it, and it can be uh, basically don't try to be everything to everybody. So, one of the things is you could either do like the one of the horizontals. So, you could just be a UX or a, like a UI design firm for a bunch of people, um, or you could be a broader scope creative agency for say just hospitals or healthcare or whatever. Right. Right. So that you kind of become a bigger fish in a smaller pond, so to speak. Um, so anyway, one of the things that a lot of people are afraid of uh, is basically you have this set of doors, right? And they're afraid if you walk through that one door, that all of those, do all of those doors are opportunities. And if you choose that one door, that's that one kind of niche you are, um, you're, you're basically lessening the amount of things that you can do. What, but what people don't understand is that once you go deep into that niche, you find other doors, right? And so then you go through those other doors and those other doors. Yeah. And so I'm, I kind of want to draw a comparison to um, this, uh, kind of have this be parallel to the fact where, you know, when you started the bat company, right, it starts off as just doing, you know, just painting bats, 
right? And so you might in your head think, well, we're just going to be painting bats. But then you find that, oh, now there's like these videos and now there's content and now there's all these other things. So I was just curious about um, how the company itself has created additional opportunities for just being a creative, right? Outside of just painting bats. I mean, obviously you touched on some of the video, but even just some of the small little touch points like the hang tags and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, we... We don't really, I would say we, like my, between my wife and I, she, she does a lot of client work. Um, I don't do any client work anymore. I used to do um, a lot of freelance and a lot of, um, you know, websites and branding for folks. But now I just don't have time with the, with the back company and the kids and stuff. Like, I just don't have time. Um, but I, I do feel like I am building, I am building a boutique design um, case study um, every time that I do something and I, and I, and I don't do the, I don't just make stuff look cool just because I want it to be in a portfolio. Um, I think that we're, that I strive to be, um, I strive to push the, push the branding every year. Um, if it's not every month, um, but like we're, we're about to re kind of rebrand our packaging and it's only, it's only because I know we can do better. Uh, and when I say me, I really meaning me. I, I know I know I can do better on the packaging, um, and so I'm I'm going to t- spend the time after after the World Series and after Christmas and stuff. I'm going to spend some time on making the packaging. What I've always dreamed of, um, you know, there's thousands of pins that we've pinned on Pinterest to to for inspiration, and, I, and I'm ready to just like uh, rebrand our packaging. And probably no, probably no one. Um, I don't say no one cares, but like there's probably a small percentage of, of customers that would even notice maybe. I don't know if we want to cut that out. I don't know. No, no. I think that's that's good, right? Because, But t- to me, those are small little touch points that are, that are important to show that you're, you're actively focused on building a conscious brand, kind of what we discussed earlier. Because I, I mean, anybody can, I don't want to say anybody can, but you know, like, you could you could paint a bat and just send it out and have like no care to it, right? But you are actively right. building these little things. That, I mean, that's the way that people stand out. I remember Steve Jobs said, uh, I was watching a video of him once and he said, he was talking about Nike's marketing and he was like, you know, the reason why Nike stands out they're they're not selling sneakers. They're, well, the, he started off with, they're selling a commodity. Sneakers, shoes are a commodity. But Nike is not selling shoes, right? They're selling... right essentially what the brand is. And, and I think yeah. that's I, I, just to compliment you. I think that you do that. You guys do that well because there is a consistency to everything. There are those minor little things that even there's going to be a lot of people that buy these things. You're going to have, I, I, I assume base you're a lot of baseball fans, but you're also going to have designers. Like I'm personally not a baseball guy. I mean, I'll fully admit like I just never, <laughs> it just wasn't my sport, which is fine. I mean, I can appreciate it and I can watch it and, and that type of thing, but it just wasn't, I never played it and it wasn't my thing, but I appreciate those little finer details. Um, and I am passionate about the sports business as a whole. So, so just being able to see those things. We've had people say, um, like we used to, I used to do a lot of like weekend, like live events where we go and we set up and we sell the stuff, but the more and more kids we have, um, the less I'm interested in, in spending an entire weekend doing that. But, um, people would come up to us and they would say stuff like, um, wow, I, I don't even like baseball, but, but I want, I want one of these bats. I'm, I'm going to pick one out. I'm going to buy it. 
And so I, I'm selling baseball bats to non-baseball fans um, who just appreciate the the art of it. Yeah. Um, they they don't necessarily like even watch baseball, but they but they they recognize that the medium is it's an interesting medium, um, being a wooden baseball bat. Um, and it's hand painted and, and on the icing on the cake, you know, the cherry on top is that, that a little bit of the money goes to charity. Right. And see, to me, that's the ultimate compliment for, for your business, right? Because you have these people that are just buying it for what it is, which is to them a piece of a, a crafted piece of, of design or art. Yeah. Men, men will, uh, email me after they bought a, bought the bat with a picture of it. And uh, they're like, I can't believe my wife let me hang this in our in our family room. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, with our pictures, and it's like a picture. It's like a gallery wall of like family photos, and then there's a Mitchell bat hanging right there on the left or right side. And that's just that to me is a compliment because I I never, um, I mean I I kind of had the vision of like you hang these on your wall, but like it's just it's neat to see how many people have have really um, adopted adopted that idea with me. Right, and now I understand that people are act- actively using the bats too, right? So you started a, a sandlot league, and you yeah. guys are using the bats. Yeah, Nashville Baseball Club. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a sandlot league, sandlot rules. Um, somebody gets hurt every time we play, <laughs> <laughs> including myself. It's just a bunch of like, uh, you know, older uh, people that don't stretch enough, I guess, or drink <laughs> yeah. enough water. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, the bats are, they're game ready. And, and so, uh, it's, it's, it's just, it's fun. It's fun to see it go full circle. That's awesome, man. Well, in, in wrapping up, I know that you have recently launched, um, uh, another company or sub brand. Uh, maybe you can expand on that. Uh, the Billy Creek bats. What's what, what yeah. is that? And then what's maybe the difference between that and Mitchell bat company? Yeah, so Billy Billy Creek Bats is um, another bat company that that I started, and we're sort of just testing it out right now. We're testing out a, a couple of different designs. Um, the the thing that started Billy Creek was I I would get I, I noticed that I was I was starting to get emails from people, and they're like, I love your brand, I love everything about it. Um, I have this idea for these bats that I want you to paint, but I don't want, I want, I don't want any stripes. I just want it to be one color and I want to have our logo on the barrel. Can you do that for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, well, yeah, we can, we can do that. Of course. Uh, we can do, we can paint the bat however you want. Or they would say, I just want like a, I just want a Navy bat with a white three on the barrel. Can you do that? And, and I didn't really have like for Mitchell, like it was maybe off brand to do that or, mm-hmm. or, you know, it just it just wasn't a part of what we do. And it's kind of like the record scratch, uh, you know, the glass breaking at the in the background of a of a party. Like, what what do you mean we're gonna paint bats without stripes on? Right, it's right. crazy. Yeah, the stripes um, have become part of your brand. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, so then I got to thinking, like, maybe I should try to you know launch another brand that's gonna attract those people um, that just that just want a simple bat. They don't the price points lower. Um, the bat is the same. It's just a different paint job. Um, and so we, we've seen, I haven't really put fuel on it yet because I'm, I'm fine tuning like everything that we, that I want to do with it, but it's out there. Billy Creek, billycreekbats.com. Um, go and you can go and check out and see what those bats are about. And, and sort of the, the, the target market for that are the, the folks that want to spend only a hundred dollars on a bat or $75 on a hand painted bat. And so when I started Mitchell Bat Company, 
the biggest hurdle that I had to jump over was I didn't have any bats. Uh, and if I did, I didn't know how to paint them. And if I knew how to paint them, I didn't know how to ship them. And I for sure didn't know what, how much I was going to charge for them. And what about taxes and what about the box they go in and what do I charge for shipping? I didn't know any of that stuff, but we started getting paying customers, uh, before we had any of that stuff figured out. So I had to figure it out. And so the, the, the main hurdle that I had with Mitchell bat is not there with Billy Creek. And so Billy Creek bats is just going to kind of be just like, a just another, um, bat company that will grab another segment of the market. Jeremy, man, I, I appreciate you taking time to come aboard. Um, obviously, we've discussed having three kids and full-time responsibilities <laughs> with jobs. Um, yeah. And and then, obviously, these these side projects. So with that in the books, <laughs> man, why don't you hit hit the listeners with um, social media handles and, and your your business uh, website where people can buy bats. And and also, I just want to say real quick, I really appreciate you giving a bat, a Makers of Sport commemorative bat away uh, to one of my listeners, which I will announce shortly. Yeah, uh, so Mitchell Batco on Instagram, uh, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-B-A-T-C-O, Mitchell Batco on Twitter, and Mitchell Batco on Facebook, and MitchellBatco.com on the website um and if you go to the website i'm going to give you guys um makers of sport listeners 20 percent off uh if you want to buy a bat uh from us and just use discount code uh mos makers of sport mos get you 20 percent off on the bat the bat of your choice that's awesome well you guys heard it here definitely go there purchase a bat you can purchase uh obviously custom bats this makers of sport one it's going to be awesome uh i I got one for myself as well so (laughs) once again man thanks thanks a lot and uh we'll definitely stay in touch absolutely thank you my next guest is going to be caroline blanchet caroline runs a design studio in france and i believe I'm probably pronouncing this wrong. I'm actually, I'm certain that I'm pronouncing this wrong, but I'll do my best. Uh, the studio is called Petite Cow Studio. Um, she has worked with many organizations in the sports industry, such as FIBA, the WNBA, the NBA, and more. Her work is fantastic, especially her most recent style of iPad illustrations. Uh, she is, in my opinion, one of the best designers in the world of sport. Her work can be found online at her social media handles as well as her website, which is P-T-I-T-E-C-A-O.com. And that is at P-T-I-T-E-C-A-O. And Caroline, I hope that you will come on and correct my bad pronunciation of your studio, but looking forward to it. Big thanks again to Jeremy Mitchell for taking time to come aboard the podcast. I'm also very appreciative of him giving away a bat to one of our listeners. Uh, Be sure to follow him on Instagram, as he said, and Twitter, at MitchellBatCo, and support his business at MitchellBatCo.com. Speaking of giving away a bat, it is time to give away a bat. I mentioned that on the last episode that I would be giving away a commemorative 100 episode makers of sport bat to a lucky listener that subscribed to the email newsletter. I have run a random name search 
uh, online, placing all of the email addresses and names, and I have a lucky winner. So the winner is going to be Drew Elric of the University of Northwestern Eagles in St. Paul, Minnesota. So congratulations, Drew. Drew is actually a member of the Makers of Sport community as well. Uh, the university looks like is actually University of Northwestern St. Paul uh, up in St. Paul, Minnesota. Drew, um, congratulations. Hope you enjoy the bat. Uh, I will direct message you for your mailing address and uh, we will get this bat to you. If you're interested in hearing more Makers of Sport episodes, head over to makersofsport.com slash episodes to check out previous interviews or listen to the original halftime episodes where I discuss business, entrepreneurship, and freelance in the sports industry. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, which allows me to continue the production of the show, which I offer to listeners advertising and sponsor free, you can do so by joining the paid member community at makersofsport.com slash community. In exchange for your fiscal support, Support, you'll have access to additional and ever-changing content such as private Q&As with future, former, and special guests, monthly video hangouts, as well as interact, share private feedback, and build relationships with like-minded professionals in the community chat. The member benefits are constantly changing, and all community content, including the Q&As, are recorded and available on the website at any time that you join. So again, if you get value from the content coming from this podcast or its other information sharing outlets, such as Twitter and other social media, then I ask that you please consider supporting the show fiscally by voting with your hard-earned dollars and joining the community. Additionally, please take one to two minutes and head over to makersofsport.com slash iTunes. Click the five star and write about your positive experience with the show. This helps others like yourself discover the podcast and the value it brings educationally to people that are wanting to work on the creative side of the sports business. Additionally, I'll also accept likes or ratings on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whichever podcast application you happen to be listening in. I want to say a big thank you again to everyone that has listened to this show. It means a ton to get the feedback, the comments, or even if you listen and don't even say anything, I just really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to listen to a side project that I put in um, that is essentially just a passion project. I honestly can't believe that I have done 100 episodes at this point. It blows me away. The show will be five years old this coming spring. Um, I'm, I have no intentions on quitting. I know that things have slowed down, but I do not have intentions on quitting at this point, and I'm hoping to bring additional creative media to you, possibly some video content in the future, uh, maybe going on site at places and interviewing people, maybe just shadowing them in their day-to-day -day on game days and such. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, again, this is a side project, so it depends on what I can find the time to put in. I am a father of three, uh, but... I have really enjoyed doing this so far, and it has been an inspiration to me talking to my guests. So big thank you to all of the guests that have taken time out of their day, uh, and they are mostly extremely busy to come aboard and just share some of what they're working on, share some of the challenges that they face, and really just being vulnerable and sharing with my listeners. I hope that everyone continues to get something out of this podcast, and I plan to keep doing it. So uh, I, will, I will talk to you guys in the future. I am at T. Adam Martin on all social media, including Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, and pretty much anywhere else on the interwebs. The show is at Makers of Sport. Until next time, have a good week.